Hey church family, my name is Saul. I am the worship pastor here at Cornerstone Church. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Hope that this sermon inspires you, that it encourages you, and builds your faith. Well, we're so honored and thankful that you are listening in. Let's go ahead and just dive deep. Let's pray tonight over the word. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to open uh, the word of God. I thank you that the word uh, is life to us. This word is going to change us. It's going to challenge us and it's going to grow us. And I thank you that we have ears to hear what you're speaking to us and the ability to do what you call us to do. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men, we've been talking about living a life that makes a difference. And I really want us to, in these, this first few weeks and first couple of months of this year uh, to, to really realize that your life makes a difference. Uh, Sunday, we talked about not missing opportunities. I can look back over my life in so many different areas and ways that I missed opportunities. Some of them were uh, business opportunities. Some of them, you know, I, I think we've all been somewhere and purchased something and we found out later that it was on sale or somebody or something and missed the opportunity of getting it, you know, for a better price the day before or the day after. And, uh, you know, just missed opportunity, missed opportunities of, of being encouragement to somebody, of praying with somebody. So, you know, the challenge is I don't want to go into this year and continue this year missing opportunities. We, we talked about how God is a God of a second chance. Sunday, And when we talk about a second chance, a lot of times we have this tendency to lean towards, well, yes, if I mess up and repent, God is a God of a second chance. But here's what I want you to walk away with this uh, thought tonight is he's also the second chance of missed opportunities. So we can miss it. And we'll talk a little bit more about this, but we can miss it, but he's also the God uh, of a second chance, not just when you mess up, but when you miss an opportunity. So I don't want to miss an opportunity uh, a second time. You can miss the opportunity to step into, you know, uh, the, a dream or, or that you know, the vision or that want to or that desire, you can miss it. But if you'll just be faithful to God, he will always be faithful to you and you'll find that you have a second chance. Well, pastor, man, I've been, it's been years and I just missed an opportunity. And that's where we looked at the story of Lazarus out of John chapter 11, verse 39 through 43. And you know, the story of Lazarus that had been dead to the point that when Jesus made it to the graveside or the tomb or the cemetery that, that, uh, his sister said, you should have been her earlier. He's to the point that he stinks. You know, I, there's a whole message in that sentence right there. You know, we can be to the place, I, I, I know it's nobody here on Wednesday night, but you can be to the place that you stink in some areas of your life, but the great thing is, is just because you stink doesn't mean God can't change anything. And Lazarus had been dead long enough that everybody knew it was over with. He was dead. He was buried. It was, it was done. And I love what we read in verse 41 where Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Can I tell you whether you prayed tonight or whether you prayed five years ago, 15 years ago, or 30 years ago, that God heard you when you prayed. Now, he says this. He said, Father, I thank you that I know you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Man, I'm telling you, when we pray, know that God has heard you in the past and that he always hears you, hears you. Now, somebody could always say right here, well, I prayed and God hadn't answered my prayer. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. But, but I also know that you've got to pray according to the word of God. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how, how great your prayer sounds. If it's not backed up by this, 
you know, it's not going to happen. God's not, God doesn't change his word to meet our prayer. And you, you, you know me well enough to know that I've said a lot of times what we'll do is we'll pray how we want God to work the whole thing out. And a lot of times God will work it out, but it won't be the way we thought it would work out. So that's where we have to learn to trust him. So the point is this. What most would see as dead and gone, that it's over. The dream, the desire, the issue is not over until God says it's over. And so we just got to keep trusting in God. So that missed opportunity, that dream that you thought was dead and gone, maybe a prayer that you hadn't been answered uh, yet, may just be waiting on you to say the words that Jesus did. Father, I thank you that you heard me back then when I pray. And I know you always hear me when I pray. And then, and then he, you know, you read in the word where he said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, sometimes our faith has to have not just action to it, but it has to have words to it. And so we may have to say, dream, come forth. You know, vision, come, you know, uh, you know, opportunity, you know, come forth. You know, just like that. You know, God send those opportunities, how we would word it today. God, send those opportunities to me. Don't let me miss the opportunity. Don't let me miss the moment. Let me hear your voice. Let me have that nudging. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I just need, I don't want to miss the opportunity. But just because you missed it, the last time around doesn't mean you have to miss it this time around. That's where we said never forget failure. This is where we kind of really ended Sunday morning. Failure does not happen because you fail or you miss it. Failure happens because you quit or you quit trying. That's where failure happens because we quit trying. Well, the, the, so when you miss the opportunity, what about as, you know, going forward? Well, here's the thing. The next opportunity may not look exactly like the one you just missed look like. Maybe dressed a little, you know, a little bit different. It may, you, same opportunity, you know, a different set of circumstances, a different name, but really if you can take a step back and look at it, you really realize it's a second chance. So just know if you miss that opportunity, then he's the God of another chance, and you get another chance. I, I had an opportunity I shared with the, with the person uh, before um, service, but I had an opportunity to pray with somebody Sunday, and I missed it. I, I missed it. I preached on not missing an opportunity, and then right after service, I missed it. And I thought about them all afternoon. And so I, I just prayed, God, get, give me another chance. And before tonight's over, I'm going to get another chance. I'm going to get another chance uh, to, you know, to pray with them. It's because I just had the opportunity, and I didn't, you know, I was, you know, just wasn't thinking. And then on the way home, I thought, man, I just preached on an opportunity, and I missed the opportunity just to, you know, pray with somebody and be a blessing. So God help us not miss the opportunity. An opportunity, we, we kind of talked a little bit about a few of these uh, Sunday, but an opportunity may not look the way you think it should look. Joseph was destined for the palace, but all along the way, he had opportunities that didn't look like the palace. You'll read his story. He started out in the pit. He was sold into slavery. He wound up in prison. And by that point, a lot of us would have been saying, boy, I mean, where is God in all this? But it was in prison that the greatest opportunity to move from the prison to the palace came. So sometimes opportunity is not going to look like you would think it would look, but it's still opportunity. Opportunities usually, you know, have their challenges with them or problems attached to it. I could say it this way. If you look at it as blessing or God's blessing, uh, just know that camped 
near your blessing or your promise or your answered prayer is a real live enemy, the devil, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And a lot of times when the fight's the hardest, it's because you're closest to God's promise. And so just, just, just kind of tuck that away, that opportunity usually has obstacles with it. And then here's, here's, here's the big one that I wanted to really get to Sunday morning I didn't get to, but don't let other people's opinion become your reality. Amen. I'm going to preach a whole message on this one. Don't let other people's opinion or their thoughts or how you should do something become your reality. Now, Saul... If you, you think about David and Goliath, Saul told David, David, he could not defeat Goliath. And you read it, and in, it, it, not so much in those short words, but that's what he tells him. You cannot beat Goliath. And then you read where, um, uh, you know, Saul even says to David, 1 Samuel 17, 33, Saul says, David, you're just, you, you can't go against him to fight. You're, you're, you're too young. You're just a youth. Then he gets over to his brothers because his dad told him, dad told him to take lunch to his brothers. He's just doing what his dad says. Then his brothers get there. I mean, he gets to his brothers and the brothers don't say thank you for lunch. They say, what are you doing here? And who's watching the few sheep that you were supposed to be watching? You know, David could have had his his reality or his identity defined by somebody else. But you know what David did? David had already had an experience with God uh, seeing through some things. And, you know, then about that time, Goliath comes out and he's taunting the whole whole nation and the army. And, and David, you'll read where David said, who is this guy that dares defy or come against the armies of God? And then they're, they're saying, you'll read in there where, uh, you know, the, the words say, is there not a cause? And you'll see David say, listen, David, David says, look, I can do it. And I can almost hear the crowd laughing. I can almost hear his peers, his brother saying, oh, yeah, David, the teenager is going to do it. But see, David may not have been old in, in physical, uh, uh, you know, uh, age. The word says, describes that he was ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y, I believe, ruddy in, in youth. I mean, and if you look up the word ruddy, it kind of means scrawny. So this isn't a big guy. It's just somebody that knew who God was. So David was a lot bigger on the inside than he was on the outside. He trusted God. But the opportunity was there to overcome. And David didn't run from the problem or run from Goliath. You'll read where David ran straight towards him. And David, with that smooth stone, let it go from, you know, that, that slingshot. And I'm telling you, with the anointing of God on it, I mean, it hit its, its mark. Listen, opportunity may not look the same way every time. You and I have to listen to the inward voice. David had opportunity to make a, a change in a nation in that moment. And you know David. David be, later became king. And I'm telling you, if he would have let somebody else define his moment or his opportunity or his identity, look what all he would have missed later on. Amen. Amen. Now, all of this, you've got to have the right attitude of faith or the right approach. Uh, how, how, how should that, uh, how, should it, uh, let, how should it look? So let's talk just for a minute about faith, ad, faith attitude or its approach to, th to things. I could say it this way, faith's confession. I, I'm going to give you an example uh, in my own life, 
um, you know, I'd like to think that I've got everything together, but still God still deals with me about things. So, so you know, I've been joking a little bit with everybody on Wednesday night, uh, but this is just being a little bit transpar- more transparent in front of you. So in two months, uh, on March the 18th, everybody say March the 18th, I turned 59 years old. So what, what date is that? March 18th. Okay, one more time. What time? What date is it? March 18th. All right. I just want to make sure we all, all are there. Now, I want to tell you, I'm talking about what you say and what you declare. So, over the last few years, I have realized that as I get older, there, it's just there's some things that are a little bit harder to do, a little bit more of a challenge. And so, even while I've been speaking to you, I have gotten light about it and I've said, you know, I'm just getting older. And the more I say it, I re- really what happened was a, f- a couple of a- several weeks ago is God just really began to deal with me about saying I'm just getting older. Because I'm 59. Now, when I was in my 20s, 59 was ancient. But now that I'm 59, the people that are 80 and 85 are looking real good to me. I mean, come on. You can make it a few more years. I mean, you've got this. But really what God took me back to, I want you to look at it, Romans chapter 4. And um, I want to read a portion of Scripture because faith really does. It really, your attitude or your approach really does. So what started happening is, you know, I'd say, you know, as I'm getting older, I've gotten aches that I used to not have. And that's, there may be some truth to that. And then I started saying some other things. Well, then I noticed the more I said it, the worse it got. You know, and when I realized it, Brother Larry, here's when I realized it. I <laughs> Here's what I, Brother Larry said, it's an adventure. <clears throat> Here's what I realized that I, I shared with y'all a couple times. I mean, you know, man, I just about getting older. I, I just, I, I know the door's there, but I just missed it and caught the, the trim, you know. Now, I know none of you have ever done that. But when, when really, the more I talked about it was, the, don't laugh at me and, and, and don't point out your spouse if they've done it. But I was going somewhere, and I was doing something, and I missed the whole door and ran right into the wall, right next to the door. Just missed it. Missed the whole, I know y'all are thinking, and he's the pastor leading, I missed the whole door. Bam, right into the wall. And I just kind of shook it off, and this is what I said under my breath. Just, boy, this getting older is something. And when I got in the car, God began to deal with me and said, you better pretty much check up on what you say. And took me back to this. So look at Romans, Romans chapter 4 and verse um, 16. Can you put 4 and 16 up, Scott? Uh, 4 and 16. All right, watch this. And we're going to go all the way through, just so you know, Scott, I'm going to go all the way uh, to 21, and, but we're going to do it quick. The Word says, therefore... It is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith, of Abraham, uh, or, or of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. Now, he's the father of the faith. Verse 17, it is, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations, in the presence of him who he believed. God, now look here, watch this. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that which, uh, that which do not exist as though they do, uh, as though they did or they do. Who contrary to hope, now this is talking about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he may become the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, 
so shall your descendants be. That's what God's saying. So shall your descendants be. Now, here's really what I want you to uh, watch right here. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead. Are you ready for this? Since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So here's the question. What has God promised you? What have you asked God for? way back then that tonight you could say, God, I know you heard me back when I prayed in 1978, 1978, or 1985, or 2013, or whatever it was. When were you born? 97. 97. Nineteen ninety-seven. So back when you prayed in elementary school. Ninety-seven was a good year. It's a good year. I, I, I got to move on. I've got a lot I could say, but then I'll have to repent to God, and then I'll have to personally repent to Saul, and I'm just moving on. But you think about it. Here's Abraham that has a promise that God gave him a long time ago. That by the time he's 100 years old, the word, he says that Abraham, strong in faith, did not even consider his age at 100. Now, if you really want to read between the lines a little bit here, where the word said, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, if you want to read between the lines, I can almost hear Abraham saying, because I know some, a little bit of how men think, I can almost hear Abraham saying, all right, God, I know that I'm 100 years old, but, you know, if you're able to do this, I, I mean, you know, make uh, me the father of, of, of many nations. I, I'm, uh, I'm good and I'm strong in faith. But God, Sarah over here, she's kind of too old to be having kids. But he was strong in faith. See, I want to I, I tell you that not only do you not have to miss opportunities, but the God of yesterday is still the God of today. The God that pointed things out yesterday can still, in fact, as we walk our faith walk out or our spiritual journey out, we really should be getting better at hearing the voice of God and recognizing those moments. If you really will spend time with God, you'll get to the spot that God will tell you, hey, there's going to be a moment tomorrow and I don't want you to miss it. I'm talking about hearing God clear enough that you're at the right place at the right time every time. We, um, Melly and I was, we were, we, uh, we were, we were gone last Wednesday night and uh, didn't Chad, do y'all appreciate Chad coming in here and preaching and, and, and we love them. Um, but we, we were, uh, we went and spent some time with, uh, with Walter and Monine last week and then we had to, be out of town and, and had an early morning meeting the next morning and uh, we decided to stop at Dillard's, you know, Melanie's favorite, you know, hangout place. And so we stopped there. Well, I found something I wanted. Man, and I was excited because it was half off. I'm talking about being at the right place at the right time in the right moment. So it was half off and uh, I, uh, I got up there, and I was good with the half off. And then I got up to the thing, and uh, 
uh, Melly was there and they rang mine up and they said, hey, this is 40% off. I said, no, it's 50% off. And she said, you know what, you, if you'll just do the right thing, God will work everything out for you. And I said, no, it's 50%. No, she said, it's 40% off of the 50%. I looked at Melanie. I said, hey, Melanie, if we stand here in just a minute, they'll be paying me to take this coat. <laughs> went to, so it was such a good deal. I went to another, hey, the next day we're in another city and there was, guess who? I, it was like seeing the golden arches. I could see Dillard's. I said, hey, let's go to Dillard's. You know what? The next day I wasn't at the right place at the right time and it didn't work out. You know, you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? I'm just telling you that you can, God can connect you at the right place at the right time every time, but you've got to learn to follow his word and you've got to learn to hear his voice. Now, faith has an attitude. And you, if you'll think back, those of you here a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to go through these real quick and we didn't get through all of them. But what kind of attitude does faith need to have? One that is not, one that is not. Everybody say is not. Negative or faith killing. You cannot go around talking and speaking what you can't do all the time and not be surprised when it's not happening in your life. Let's, it's Wednesday night. Let's get root. Let's. Let's, let's get where the rubber meets the road. Husband or wife, it doesn't matter. You cannot run your spouse down and continue to say, you know, you, you know you're not going to mount anything. You're never going to mount anything. You know, I've heard parents say that to their kids. And, you know, I, I heard a, a mama one time, not, not in this church, and it was a long time ago, but I'll never, I, I, I'll never forget it. That mama looked at her kid and said, you know what? You're nothing but a demon. And I mean, that's how I did. And we would think that, sh can I tell you, you think a kid can get in trouble? Listen, that kid got in trouble as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, and how he has avoided prison, I'll never know. But that's what, that's what was spoken over him. That was what was declared over him. And he let somebody else make him his identity. I, can I tell you just right here that it don't matter where you were born, what side of the tracks you were born on, whether you came from a rich family or poor family. Listen, you are who God says you are and you can do what God says you can do and it don't matter whether you have to drag it from the ashes of life or from the mess. Listen, I'm telling you, you can become who God says you can become. But if all you talk about is negative things, I mean, just, I mean, you and I, you, you've heard me say this, you and I were not created to continually take in negative things. That's why, I, I'm just telling you, that's why you cannot, I am telling you as your pastor, it is not healthy for you to sit in front of the TV all day long and watch the news that con consistently and constantly is telling you everything that is going on bad. Because if not, you'll let that define your reality and you'll start putting yourself in that spot. I learned that during Hurricane Ike. So back in whatever year Hurricane Ike happened. Is we got out and we were helping people and people were panicking, trying to figure out how they're going to put their life together. Now, I didn't have, but I didn't have Brent. That was back when Brent was definitely younger. And Brent and Danny came to my house, if I remember right, and crawled on my roof because having nothing to do with my ability other than I was a big chicken to get up on my roof. But Brent and Danny Finn were, they, they were big boys, and they got up on that roof. And I had all of maybe, you know, 30 shingles missing off my roof. And that was the extent of my damage. I'm talking about, I'm talking about how if you just feed on it all the time. So after two or three days of listening to everybody's, you know, stories and, and how they're going to do it, is I came home on about three days later, and I'm sitting in the evening, and I just started just thinking about us and what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, everybody else's reality started becoming my reality. And all I had was some shingles missing. I had to shake myself and say, listen, 
not only are we all right, they're going to be all right. God's big enough. And I'm telling you, God was big enough to help everybody get. But, I, but I, as long as I was focusing on it and continually taking it in and not offsetting it with the word or saying, you know, this is, this is just because this is the moment reality doesn't mean it has, has to be life reality. I said it Sunday, this was God dealing with me because of me for years making, ex it really making excuses of why some things are not farther along. Well, we had Ike, we had Harvey, we had Imelda, we have the corona, you know, the virus and everything. And God started speaking to me and said, get over it. They're over. I can, I can stay stuck in a spot, living, keep reliving what's over. It's over. Now, we, you say, well, you had not seen my house. Well, we, we, you know, we can continually fix that, but really that's, it's over. So I've got I've to hear God for today. Or you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be so focused on what, I didn't, what didn't happen yesterday that I missed the opportunity today. And some of those opportunities can really help finish up yesterday. That's a whole bunch of stories there. So, so what, is, what other uh, attribute of faith does my faith have to have? One that is not tearing down other people's faith. Not tearing their vision down and not tearing their dreams down. You want to see a mark of, of maturity in my life, your life, and everybody's life is if you're praying and believing God for something, and somebody else comes in and they're all excited and they say, hey, let me tell you what God just did for me. And what they tell you God just did for them that they've only been praying for about 30 hours, you know, 36 hours, and you've been praying for the last 36 years is when you can rejoice with them and say, man, that is great and not tag on at the end and say, you know, I've been praying for the same thing, but it hadn't happened to me yet. Uh, you, you guys know, you know I, I was one of the speakers at John Davila's service, went home to be with the Lord at age 49 this last year. And standing in front of the whole community that was there, uh, I, I stood in front of that whole crowd and I said, you know, I will tell you that I count John as one of my closest friends. And I said, what I marked him different as a friend, and this is what I told his church, the community, I said, I could call John knowing that John and I had been praying about something in his life or his family, and I could call John and we'd be praying about the same thing in both of our lives, families, or churches. I could call John and I could say, John, listen, God has answered the prayer. This is what happened. And John, this is what I told him at the service. I said, John didn't just rejoice and was happy just as much as I was, sometimes he was overly joyed more. I thought he was more excited about my blessing than he, than, than I was. And not one time did he ever say, you know, I wish God would do something like that in my life. See, it's a mark of maturity. Man, I'm just rejoicing that God did it in your life. And I'm not walking away talking under my breath, God saying, saying, God, why did you do it for them but you won't do it for me? God, you know that they said a bad word last week and I haven't said a bad word in the last three years. You know, God, they, listen, that's not maturity. So as we, we're talking about our faith or our, what we say, listen, you can't build yourself up by tearing somebody else down. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's, here's another one. I'm going to get every one of these in tonight in the next couple of minutes, so don't panic. Here's another one. You've got to have a spirit. Your faith has to have a spirit about it that doesn't always count the cost. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean that you're not approaching things, opportunity, and saying, well, what am I going to get out of it? If you'll, if you'll approach things when God gives you the opportunity, opportunity, you may not get one thing out of it today, but I promise you, you will somewhere down the road. I'm going to give you an example. 
I, uh, uh, there's a, a couple guys that, you know, they grew up in the church and uh, one, one, uh, one wound up, both of them went into the service. One was in Afghanistan and one was in Iraq at the same time. And um, both of them we stayed contact with. And, and as a teenager, I just always encouraged them. I never really, you know, none of them, neither one of them ever came up and said, oh, you're the best pastor we've ever had. You're just like a role model to me and everything. I mean, I just, you know, joked with them, you know, was in their life and, you know, just moving on. And I just want them to know, my, my big thing is, I just want them to know that somebody was praying for them. You're never alone. And there's always somebody you can call. I mean, that was my level of success. But I'll never forget on Father's Day that year that, the, that they were both, one was in Afghanistan and one was in Iraq, and I was getting ready for church on Sunday morning, and the phone rings in the house. That was before we had cell phones, and we had, hey, used to, we had phones in our house. You didn't carry it around. It was attached to the wall. <laughs> <clears throat> the phone rings and I hear Melanie say uh, uh, well he can't really talk right now it was because of, and they said Miss Melanie this is so and so uh, you know I can't call back I'm in Afghanistan well hold on let me get him so I get in and, and see I'm not talking about I didn't get the thank you then but we're years down the road and these are men that are serving our country and they're off somewhere else. And it was Father's Day. And he said, Pastor Kevin, I just had to call and tell you. I just got through talking to my dad. And I just had to call and tell you that you've been just like a dad to me also. And I wanted to tell you, thank you. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't care if my own kids gave me a card that day after that. <laughs> And I'm not kidding, 10 minutes later, the phone rings again. And it's the boy that's over in Iraq. And Melanie says, hang on, I'll get him. And she said, told me who it was, and I got on the phone, and he said, listen, I want to tell you, you're the only dad I've ever known. And I just wanted to call and tell you, happy Father's Day. Listen, I'm telling you, I, my day could have been over at that moment. I mean, I was good. I mean, good to go. So what I'm telling you is, is if you're always counting the cost, well, what if I take time to spend time with, you know, a teenager or a kid or take some time to talk to that person or, you know, I, I'm busy. I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got things to do. And you know what I've learned about all that stuff is that all of it's true and all of it's important, uh, but at the end of the day, man, the relationship part, if I've done all of that and missed the relationship part, I've really missed a whole lot in life. I, I, I keep telling you, I'm, I'm learning as, a, as I am getting older. I'm learning to slow down. And just it, it, to take the time to visit with somebody. If somebody's willing to talk with me, I mean, even if I'm in a hurry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna visit. And I used to not be that way. I mean, let's move on to the next thing. And they're talking, and my mind's already going. I know you've never done this, but you're talking with somebody, and your mind is already at the next thing, and you're not listening to a thing they say. You know what happens? Sometimes we miss the moment or we miss the opportunity. So don't have a spirit that always counts the cost. Well, what am I going to get out of it? It doesn't matter. If God, if the opportunity's there, sow into it, give into it. And listen, if you want to really just get, give your all. And the word says, do it like you're doing it as unto the Lord. Yeah. I'm giving it and I'm doing it. And I'm not expecting anything in return. You know why? If you approach things that way, when return does come, it's like, uh, how do you, how do the Louisianans say it? It's like, is it lanyap? Lanyap? A little extra. 
I mean, that's when it comes back. Man, it came back, that's great, but it always comes back because that's a law, a biblical law of sowing and reaping. What you sow is what you reap. But when it, it comes back, it doesn't just come back to you. It comes back to you in God fashion. How's God fashion? That's John 3, uh, uh, that's uh, Luke um, uh, 6, 48. When it comes back, it comes back in his, his fashion. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's how it comes back. So, but if you approach it, that what am I going to get out? You're going to miss it. You're going to miss the whole God opportunity. So, so what, how, does my, how does my faith need to keep proceeding forward? Got to hurry. I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, how does it keep? Uh, I, I've got to let old baggage go. Amen. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to learn that God's, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so if I'm still dragging old stuff with me into new opportunities or new year, listen, it's going to mess me up or it's going to at best slow me down. I got to learn to let some things go. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a guy that, that talks about in the word uh, where um, uh, he, God says, you're going to have to stand in front of Caesar, Paul. You, was it Paul or Saul that, that got snake bit? Who was that? Mama? Paul. He started out, and they said, you got to stand in front of Caesar, and he has, you know, if you want to just get to it, he doesn't feel led to do that. But God had a, a plan, and the plan for him to get him to Caesar was to, he got arrested, put on a prison ship, and guess where the prison ship was going, where Caesar was. Now, if things can't get bad to worse for Paul, is there's a storm. And then the ship winds up getting, you know, crashing on the, you know, rocks, sink. They make it to shore alive. And, you know, you're thinking, well, okay, we've made it. We're alive. Then the word says they built fire. And they're standing by a fire. And then all of a sudden, he gets snake bit. Listen, he's not having a good day. But you know what? He's on his way because there is a divine appointment that he's got to be at. So there's opportunity, there's obstacles, there's problems. But he stayed focused. But he could have carried the baggage all the way, all the way. I mean, to where he's standing in front of Caesar, and yeah, he's got a bad attitude. But you know what? He stayed focused. All right, so here's another. Faith. Faith's got to do that. Here, this is a big one. Faith has to drive out a casual existence or relationship with God. If you want to experience it all, do it all, you've, you can't just do the status quo. You know, I, here's the way you've heard me say it before. You can't do what it takes to just get by and expect to have a miraculous experience. So we've got we, we've we've to get rid of the old baggage, quit carrying it, and we have to have more than just a casual experience with God. And what does that look like? It means I'm not going to just seek God when I have a problem. It's a way of life. It's part of everything that I do. The last, last, uh, last couple of ones are, are, are these. My life, so my faith, talking about my faith, how I'm going to walk this thing out. I've got to live above average and fully committed. That means when it doesn't look like I thought it would look like or it's not shaping up the way I had prayed, now, I'll say, ask God to do this way, really told God in my prayer, God, this is how, God, if you'll just work this out, if you'll just do it this way, and you'll get this person over here, you know, and I'm doing God's job by telling him the best way to work it out. I know you've never done that. But I'm, tell, I'm telling you this, if you'll just give it to God and trust him with it, not only will he work it out the way, it, it, you know, it'll be better than the way you and I prayed it. But I've got to live above average and fully, I guess the better word is I've got to live fully committed. 
That means I've got to stay with this when things are going good, and I've got to stay the course when they're going bad. The, the last one is this. My faith has to be at a place that I do not limit God. That means just like, just like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't limit what could happen. And I've got my faith has to be that way. I'm talking about I'm, I don't want to miss my I don't want to miss the God opportunities. I don't want to miss the God moments. I don't want to miss the miracle moment. I, I mean, we can say this a, a, a lot of different ways. I just don't want to miss the moment. But in not missing the moment, I've got to not limit God because the Word says this: with God, with God, with God, with God, all things are possible. So if it looks impossible to me or if it seems impossible to me, I've just got to lean over into God's lane because with him, all things are, po all things are possible. All things are possible. Not some things. All things are possible. And here, here's, here's the statement that I'm going to finish with. Remember. You remember when, he, when Moses said, you know, when God spoke to Moses and said, listen, you're going to go in and you're going to stand before Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let, let my people go. And Moses says, well, who shall I tell him sent me? And God speaks to Moses and says, say this, tell him that I am that I am sent you. Now, we're, we're, we're thousands of years down the road. And can I tell you that today, he is still the great I am, Amen. not the great I was. So I don't have to, I don't just read this in the Word or know how it was years ago and say, well, you know, that was back then. He's the same God yesterday. He's the Word He's the same God yesterday, today, and you know what? He's going to be the same God tomorrow. Amen. So he's not the great I was. He's the great I am. The great thing is he's going to be the great I am tomorrow. He's going to be the great I am Friday. He's going to be the great I am Saturday, the great I am Sunday. Listen, every day, every day that I get up, he's the great I am for that day. I've just got to learn to listen to him. So that means I've got to learn. I've got to learn to close my book so you know I'm through. I've got to learn to listen to the moment when God, when, when he speaks to me and says, hey, that person right over there, you, go, go, go over there and just tell them, you know, tell them this and do that. I'll close with this story. I've got one minute to tell this story. She's not here tonight, but how many have heard the story? I'm going to tell it anyway, so there's no need to even ask a poet. Years ago, when the kids were small, Charlotte Gill, everybody knows Charlotte over here, lived on our street. Now, we didn't know Charlotte. But Melanie wanted everybody on our street to, get, to, to come to church and get saved. Now, Charlotte was probably not in the best scene, you know, of, of, of life. or I mean, you know, don't... You wouldn't want your kids playing, you know. We'll just leave it at that. And I'm telling you, it was, it was the worst conditions on our whole street. And every time we'd pass by Melanie and say, God, I don't know who lives there, but God, if you'll just do something in our life. And then one day, she didn't tell me this till later on down the road, but one day the kids were small, Sarah, Justin, and Nathan, and they're all in the back seat buckled in and those car seats and everything and one day as she was driving by God speaks to her and says I want you to go in and those of you know Charlotte's story it was after her son had been shot and he was left paralyzed and we didn't know the whole story we didn't know anything about that Melanie was just driving by God speaks to her and says I want you to go in and I want you to tell the lady that lives in this house that she is a good mother we didn't know any of the story. So Melanie 
leaves the car on the street because I keep a clean car and it was a muddy driveway. There was bulldogs chained up everywhere. And my wife leaves the car and the kids on the street and says, don't get out of the car. I'll be back in a minute. And she goes through all the bulldogs that are, you know, and all that that are, you know, showing their teeth and everything. And she goes up, knocks on the door, and Charlotte herself will tell you she was not very nice and said, what do you want? And said it in a much meaner way. And Melanie just said, it was the week before Easter, and she said, I just want to take an opportunity to invite you to our church for Easter. But you know what Melody didn't do at that moment? She didn't do what God said do. So she finished and she took a few steps off the porch, started to walk out, and God said, I told you to tell her she was a good mother. She told me later, she said, you think the lady was upset the first time I knocked on the door? You don't even want to know how she was the second time I knocked on the door. And she said, I told her she was a good mother, and she said she really didn't know how to respond to it, and she kind of just slammed the door in my face. That was years ago. Charlotte's been here a couple of years, and she was, you know, from from drugs and other things. She's very skinny, you know, uh, you know how you, you know how drugs and all, all that scene does. And uh, we're we're here, and Charlotte comes in on a Wednesday night, and she came, and then she came back on a Sunday, and then a week later she came back on another Sunday, and Melanie started on that Sunday telling the story about stopping at this lady's house. And Charlotte, sitting in this room in here, started putting two two and two together and realized Melanie was the, she didn't know she was the pastor's wife, but she was the one that went through all of that at my house and knocked on my door and said, God said to tell you, you're a good mother. After that service that night, Charlotte came up to Melanie and looked at her And she said, Charlotte looked at her and said, you don't know who I am, do you? And Melanie said, well, uh, no. (laughs) But it's good to have you here. And she said, Miss Melanie, I'm the lady that lived in that trailer that you came and knocked on the door and said, God told me to tell you that you're a good mother. She said, it started some things changing in my life. Can I tell you, you've got those opportunities more than you realize. I do. I've just got to pause long enough to, number one, hear the voice of God. And number two, I taught you this a few weeks ago, not only just hear his voice, but be bold enough and brave enough to do it. Amen. Let's stand tonight and let me pray over you. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to just come together and, and uh, experience you and experience your word and experience life together. Uh, and so I just pray over each and every one tonight, their homes, their households, keep them, that your presence and peace will just rest on them. In Jesus' name, amen.